Thank you for tuning in. And welcome to a special solo episode of the AEC Leadership Today podcast. We started season three with a new and innovative approach to expanding, deepening, and diversifying our talent recruitment and retention pipeline through the use of returnships. And we have several upcoming episodes featuring new and innovative ways to think about and to approach how we work and how best we engage with and get the most out of our talent, which I'm really excited about. However, before we get into those, I wanted to take some time to talk about time and time management because our repeatedly stated lack of time is not only holding many of us back from taking advantage of so many new opportunities, it's hurting us individually and organizationally. Managing our time and energy always has and always will be critical to our success in almost all domains. But new and different changes, pressures, and desires have brought us to a new place. As leaders and managers especially, we need to proactively change the game and establish a new model for better time and energy management. And I think learning how to design our ideal day and then aligning it with others to more intentionally unlock our personal and collective talent is a great place to start. So without any further delay, let's dive into what it looks like to design and begin to live an ideal day. Welcome to AEC Leadership Today, the podcast designed exclusively for engineering, architecture, and construction industry leaders who want to stay relevant and effective. The show takes on the most pressing issues facing the AEC industry and was created to help you and your firm grow and prosper in the 21st century. The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now, take a break from your never-ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton. There is so much change happening now, so many new demands and sets of expectations being placed on leaders and leadership teams and so much opportunity to improve both what we do and how we do it that too few of us are taking advantage of. There can be and often are many reasons for this, but one of the most often expressed to me in my strategic planning, leadership and management team development, and executive coaching work is a lack of time. I get it and understand it. It's real, especially if we're good, but our work success doesn't need to be a career or a life sentence to prolong work overload and missed opportunities, or in some cases, a path to burnout and burnout-induced disengagement. We have the power right now to better manage our time and our days. As leaders and senior managers, a lack of time can no longer be an excuse for not doing what needs to be done or not investing in what needs to be invested in. So how can we begin to solve the lack of time problem? That's what we're going to tackle today. But I want to start by sharing three thoughts to frame the issue related to values, our busyness, and our asks in terms of time. Number one, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And we make time for what we value. Or more specifically, we make time for what we're valuing. For many of us, particularly before the pandemic, we were operating on autopilot working heavy hours, and largely doing what we do based on habit. 
The pandemic certainly disrupted that for many of us and for many or most on our teams and in our organizations. For possibly the first time, many of us had the time and the circumstances to think about what we valued and why, and the values changed. And so the question is, as each of us sits here today, are we clear on all that we value personally and professionally? And does it line up with what we're valuing with our time? And specifically in a work context, do we know that we're spending our time most effectively and operating at our highest and best level to move our teams and organizations forward? As leaders, we need to know and to make adjustments if needed so that what we truly value is clear to all, including ourselves. Number two, in the eyes of top talent and clients, constantly being busy and consumed is not a badge of honor. In fact, it's become a red flag. To others, both inside and outside of our teams and organizations, a sign that maybe this person or this organization doesn't lead or manage well, or doesn't value its people. A sign that maybe this team or organization underinvests in training and development, or in the development of better processes and systems. A sign that maybe mistakes are being made, or a sign that this team or organization at its core may be unhealthy or undisciplined, which may not bode well for the future. Either way, it prompts the questions. Is this a place I want to be? Is this a team or organization with whom I can succeed? If my bosses and or my peers are always just fighting yesterday's fires or focused on getting through today, will anyone have the time, interest, or ability to engage with me, to grow and develop with and alongside me, to coach and mentor me, to look out for me, and to get the best out of me and all of us collectively? Certainly not questions we want our best current and future talent having to contemplate at any time, but particularly now, given how the pandemic has changed how most of us see and think about work, coupled with the amped up war for talent and the great resignation. Which brings me to number three, asking ourselves and others to just put in more time is untenable. For many, it's not even viable as there are already high levels of extra hours going into work. And for many others, for the reasons I've spoken about, it's a non-starter. The only exception is when work can be truly aligned with personal and professional goals. And when the work is being done in an optimized and engaging way, people truly want to be part of. In summary, there's been a lot of change. We all have the same fixed amount of time in a day to position ourselves and our teams for success. And where and how we spend our time is a value statement. That statement is being noticed both inside and outside of our organizations. And those same people, many of whom we want to and need to attract, develop, and retain, are making value judgments themselves and about whether to stay or to more fully engage. So it's in this context, I wanna talk about the mechanics and the benefits for designing our ideal day. To get us started, I'm going to focus this episode on our time on. The data is clear that taking time off on weekends and for vacations is essential to our long-term success, 
But in terms of our overall effectiveness now and our ability to prevent and reverse burnout, our time on is as or more important than just taking our traditional time off. I see and recommend five steps to designing our ideal day. I'll list them now here up front, and then I'll dig into them. Number one, accounting for our time. Number two, recognizing the chaos inherent in most of our days. Number three, defragmenting our days with time blocking and prioritization. Number four, aligning with our teams. And number five, iterating and fine tuning. So number one, accounting for our time. If we're going to design and live more of an ideal day, we need to know where we're starting from. Collecting and documenting data on how we actually spend our time is more accurate and powerful for most of us versus the story we tell ourselves about where we spend our time. And a quick way to get to the heart of what we're valuing. For most of us, this can be as simple as making a list of all the things that we're spending our time on each day over the course of two to three weeks, and then aggregating and reviewing the data. Number two, recognizing the chaos inherent in most of our days. Technology has changed our work ecosystems. In less than three decades, we've gone from mail carts and memos to a constantly changing and chaotic mix of unscheduled and asynchronous communication across multiple inboxes, channels, platforms, and devices. That's ultimately distracting, disruptive, inefficient, and exhausting. In response to these environmental changes, most of us switch tasks, which further adds to our exhaustion and lack of productivity. We may think we're multitasking, but multitasking is a myth for virtually all of us, and that's brain science. We simply cannot do more than one cognitive function at a time. And trying to do more than one takes energy, makes us less efficient and effective, and actually erodes our ability to concentrate over time. And on top of this, many of us are also experiencing much denser days with more lower quality meetings, either back-to-back or randomly dispersed throughout the day, which is also making us less productive. If we're going to end the chaos, we're going to need to take control, which brings us to number three, defragmenting our days with time blocking and prioritization. In designing our ideal day in terms of time on, I like to think in terms of having four key time blocks to build on and around. The first is deep work. We can think of this as focus time, where we position ourselves to do highly thoughtful, creative, or contemplative work with hopes of getting into a flow state, a state where we can lose track of time and produce a disproportional output which I would suspect most of us have experienced. Our ability to focus and get into flow state is typically tied to our chronobiology. That is the time of the day we are most often able to do our best work when we're not distracted. In practical terms, this is identifying and leaning into whether we're more of a morning person, an afternoon person, or an evening person. In terms of designing our ideal day, we'll want to plan our most important work to be in this deep work time block, which is typically two to four hours a day. 
Now, certainly we could look to work longer in this deep work state, but the reality is, and I think most of us would agree based on our own experience, that we can only really do two to three meaningful or creative things a day before we feel like we're getting spent. And then we need to shift our efforts to other things, which brings us to our second time block. For most of us, we'll want to build our second two to four hour time block into our next best time of the day for our meetings. We still have gas in the tank. And because we previously had time for deep work, we're probably feeling better entering these meetings. We have more to report or we'll have planned and prepared for a better meeting, whether that meeting be collaborative or one-on-one. -on -one. The third basic time block is what I like to refer to as spontaneity and administration. This could be our least productive time of the day when we've completed our deep contemplative and creative work and had some very productive meetings and now want to or need to do some less creative administrative coordination and organization work or look for more chance conversations or incidental meetups. This is also ideally the time when we respond to emails and messages and connect and network on social media. This could also be a time we designate for office hours, something more top organizations and teams are doing to be more available for unplanned and spontaneous interactions that are not disruptive to either or all parties. In my opinion, however, the most important time block for leaders is the fourth block connected with defragmenting what I call margin time. Margin time is designed white space in our day to think, plan, process, and connect dots. And I see this in two forms. Form one is before and after meetings or major events during the workday. This can specifically be time taken right before meetings to get fully prepared and in the right mindset to participate and get all out of the meetings we need to as well as time immediately after the meetings to take and review our notes and to get clear on and schedule any next steps before moving on to something different, which simultaneously brings closure and helps to declutter our minds. One way to do this is to block 30 minutes before and after meetings or to start and end meetings on the quarter or the three quarter hour to build in natural 15 minute buffers. Form two, I think of as routine work-life planning and transition time. Ideally, this form is at least 30 to 60 minutes a day, four to five days a week, and ideally scheduled immediately before or following our deep work. This can be our prime time for both big picture and specific learning, either through reading or listening to podcasts like this, and for thinking, processing, and connecting dots through journaling or through quiet prayer or meditation. This time is also a prime time to develop, prioritize, and optimize our to-do list, and to think critically and strategically about what can possibly be automated or eliminated, or what can best be delegated or collaborated on. Lastly, this can be the time to develop, prioritize, and optimize what I call our to-be list so we can be the person we want to be both inside and outside of work and help ensure that we're able to achieve our desired work-life balance by valuing all the things that we truly value. 
Okay, so now we've been through three of the five steps to designing our ideal day. Number one, accounting for our time. Number two, recognizing the chaos inherent in most of our days. And number three, defragmenting our days with four basic prioritized time blocks. So now step number four, aligning with our teams. If most of us are morning people, and statistically that's the case, why would we routinely schedule meetings or do anything other than our most important deep work and creative tasks in the mornings? Why would we not then try to have all of our meetings in the afternoons? Why not try to end our days or whatever part of our day is the least productive with the more administrative aspects of our jobs? As I mentioned up front, it is possible. We just need to be more intentional and more willing to work at it. Which brings me to number five, iterating and fine-tuning. Not every day or week will go as planned, and certain projects or months can disrupt us. But what will the benefits be to us with one, two, or three days a week that are more ideal than not? Nothing is stopping us from doing this, but the chaotic, distractive, disruptive, and most often exhausting rhythms we have either created or allowed to exist. Allowing more of the same will not increase efficiency, effectiveness, or engagement, and will not create an environment for our talent to thrive. One final point here before we close. Being responsive is timely acknowledgement, not necessarily immediate delivery. We often attribute a sense of urgency to new client and team member requests. Yes, we need to and should appropriately acknowledge receipt in a timely manner, but we can specifically reply to let them know we received the message and plan to respond or more fully respond by the end of the day or by tomorrow morning. And even then, after a discussion, in many cases, we may have until the end of next week or sometime over the next two weeks to actually deliver on the request. We'll only know by asking the question. There's certainly more to this and it takes work. My goal today is to give us a reason, permission, and a framework to proactively change the game and establish a new model for better time and energy management so we can end the chaos and take advantage of more opportunities to grow and prosper. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to sharing our upcoming episodes with you. Again, several upcoming focusing on new and innovative ways to think about and approach how we work and how best we engage with and get the most out of our talent, which we'll need to have time to process and act on. So until then, please take care and stay safe. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so. And please also share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to continue to get us established, and I truly appreciate that. And it also helps to get the word out to others so that together we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others both inside and beyond our organizations. 
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.